Welcome to the Boil Dow Coffee Club, the meeting after the meeting, where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. And I'm Sam. Sam! You're back. I'm back. Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting time. It um, was an interesting time. Yeah. Um, I, first of all, big thanks to Miranda for, for stepping in and, and helping record because... Uh, while y'all were doing the, that, um, my mother was in the hospital dying. Yep, you gave a call right before we planned to record and said your mother was in intensive care and were you were running over there. So yeah, um, it 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 was a uh, a very unexpected thing. Yeah, um, she was sixty nine years old and had yeah. a uh, a ruptured uh, aneurysm on Saturday mm-hmm. while we were in the men's meeting and uh, and then. She was admitted uh, to another hospital in uh, into ICU there, and um, and then a few days later we had to uh, make the choice to end life support, and um, and we did. I'm sorry, Sam. That's I, that I appreciate was really it. hard. Um, it was, you it's know, it's um, it's one of those things that I there is no way I could have gotten through this with the the grace that I have if I had not done what I've done in these rooms for all this time. So how did, how did being in AA, how did you find that that helped you? Get well, through it? you know, one of the first things was, um, not making this about me. Um, mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. of the first things was I'm there to take care of my mother and make sure that she gets the best care that she can get. Um, another thing that was in play was I don't like my stepfather. We have not gotten along for several years uh, and for reason. And I did not let that get in the way of what we were there to do. Which is amazing. And that's not how <laughs> I, I mean, would have been years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I had, I had that in my family. And yeah. uh, exactly the case. Being able to be bigger than yourself. Yeah, yeah. And then to be able to um, make that that really hard decision that wasn't really hard to make. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's weird that it was um, one of the most critical decisions I've ever made in my life that we end life support. Mm-hmm. But there was, I, you know, there was no question that this was the right thing to do. And, you know, I relied on my relationship with my higher power, which I'm atheist and, you know, so how that, how weird that is. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you, you. It works for you. And um, and then after she died, during that time in the hospital, but but more so after she died, was being able to ask for help. There were no funeral plans made. Um, no end of life planning had been done. No life insurance. Oh um, and funerals and, and end-of-life stuff in, in the U.S. is crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I did was I reached out to um, my mother's cousins, her first cousins that she grew up with that were essentially her sisters growing up, and I asked them for help. That's not all the help you asked for. It's not. And then I, I created a, uh, a fundraiser, an online fundraiser, and I asked my friends 
and family for help in defraying the costs of, of all of this. And they showed up incredibly. Um, there were people who gave online. There were some family and friends who gave offline as well. And ultimately, it was over $8,500, I think, Mm-hmm. that was contributed. I watched the bar uh, fill up. Of It was $8,000 was what you were saying was how much you needed, and people were donating. I was watching it. Yeah. Watching and, it grow. And what happened was we got to like you know $7,600 or something like that on the online one, and then I found out that there was a huge um, part of the bill paid to the funeral home, uh-huh. and that far exceeded the... Um, the, the 8,000 goal that I had set. So I ended the fundraiser. Um, cause this wasn't about how much money can we get? It was asking for help and I got the help I asked for. And, um, it was to make it so that it was not going to be a financial hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did wind up paying some out of my pocket, which is only appropriate. Yeah. Um, and, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't, outrageous it wasn't it, out of it, your it means. didn't break me yeah and by asking for help you were able to get the whole thing. i mean it's just incredible to be able it to is. do that and you know one of the things that showed up for this and and it actually showed up from my grand sponsor um who you used to be but you're not my grand sponsor anymore so <laughs> yeah. there um yeah. but um so many people when there's a death in particular or any type of major issue but a death want to help and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. You can say your, you can give your condolences. You can say you're sorry, or you can do the horrible stuff that people do, like how'd she die? Um, yeah, right. But putting out that fundraiser request, my uh, Thomas, who's been on the show, uh-huh. uh huh, who was my grand sponsor, which is just really cool, because um, he's so much younger than me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, he's a young guy. Made a comment on the fundraiser. Thank you for giving me a way to help. There you go. And that was just it. So many people who wanted to do something had a way that they could do something. Yeah. And and the lots of folks that and and this was the, the thing that was amazing too. There were donations from five dollars to five hundred dollars. And every single one of those meant so much to me. Because I knew that people were giving what they could and that they cared. Yeah. I didn't care what the amounts were. Yeah. That was a that was a cool thing to realize. Yeah. It's really cool. To go through the world sober, it's not like we avoid pain and difficulties, but we don't have to go through it alone. Yeah. And at first you think, oh, well, I'm just getting, this is about getting sober and not drinking. And it's about so much more than not drinking. Yeah. It's, it's a design for living that yeah. works in yeah. rough going. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the quote. That's it. So, so yeah, it's, so I'm it's glad been a tough you're through time. the rough, yeah. that rough part. I yeah. mean, how are you doing now? Now, you know, I'm still not right. Um, well, not, uh, I never up, would Don. have expected that to happen. <laughs> you will pay. Um, doctor, no. <laughs> doctor, after the surgery, will I be able to p- play the piano? Did you oh, play God. the piano now? <laughs> Don. No. That's, no. <laughs> no. 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 
No. Stop. Uh, no, I, you know, so I've, I've dealt with, uh, I'm, I'm in therapy. I've, I've got a therapist that I lovingly gave absolute shit to um, because uh, I was working with him in 2017 when uh, I was uh, on pain meds, but also was feeling depressed. And I like talked to my sponsor of, is this pain meds or am I depressed? And he's like, why don't you go talk to a therapist? And mm-hmm. so I did. And then shortly after starting work with him, granny died. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wrapped up work with him about two months, two or three months after granny had died. And then I recently started seeing him again in January, um, in part for preparation for the move, uh, because I just know that that's going to be a really stressful thing. Let's be prepared. I need to go see a therapist yes, about you, you moving. Yes, you do, indeed. <laughs> but not just about because I'm moving. Um, and and so I gave him shit when I saw him after my mother died. I'm like, damn it. I start seeing you and granny dies, and then I start seeing you again and my mother dies. Yeah. It's you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pile it on. Those are years apart, Sam. Hey, still, it's his fault. Um but uh, so I'm seeing a therapist. Uh, I um, I'm still meeting with my sponsor. I'm going to AA. I'm doing doing the stuff that I've learned in these rooms as well, and uh, and I went to my doctor because I was not sleeping. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it's important for, uh, for those of us in recovery to talk about medications. And one of the things that I went to that doctor for, I, I asked. You know, I, I had LASIK a, a couple years ago, and they gave me Ambien to take to sleep me make me sleep for like 24 hours. And it worked really well. And so I asked, can I have three or four Ambien? And the doctor gave me 10. The Ambien worked a little bit. It worked for a couple nights, and then it stopped working. Mm-hmm. I talked with my sponsor about it as well, and I don't want to be on Ambien, but I still wasn't sleeping. And lack of sleep will really wreck you. It really yeah. wrecks me. Yeah. Um, so emotionally, I'm already in turmoil, and then I, I don't even have the defenses, uh, or my defenses are even or you're not lower because of lack of sleep. Rest, yeah. And so I'm on a, a drug called Trazodone now that's safe for alcoholics and addicts to take for extended periods of time, and it's helping me to stay asleep through the night. You know, it's one of those things that <laughs> I am utilizing the resources that are available to me. I'm working with my sponsor and I'm working with a medical doctor. And I think it's really important that, that I do that. Could, could you get me a a prescription for damn it all? (laughs) Well, I'm just going to get you a damn it doll. (laughs) You know, the damn it dolls, right? A damn it doll. I take a damn it doll. A damn it doll is pins in it. No, you take this doll and, and you, anytime you're pissed off, you just whack it on the table. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. (laughs) Granny had one. (laughs) Take it out on the damn it doll. That's it. That's it. So here's the thing. Yes. This, uh, this opening has been sad and, if y'all let this be the tone for the rest of this show, I'm going to unplug your microphones and we're going to turn this into the Sunny Shares show. <laughs> Sunny. <laughs> so we're done with sad shit. Unless sad shit just happens to come up. Well, it, that's a part of life. I mean, it's a yeah. part of life. We'll no, I mean for the show. Yeah. In other words, we're not dwelling on this, Don. Well, we'll see because we have a guest, Madeline, and she looks very depressed. I... You know, depression, it's something I've dealt with for a long time. But um, but right now you're smiling. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. So Welcome. Thank you. Um, sobriety has 
given me ways to deal with my depression and to be able to accept outside help because I need it. Um, I have a therapist that I've been seeing. Since you didn't bristle when he brought up therapist. <laughs> no, I I love it. It's um it's a key component in my recovery. Mm-hmm. I need to go to my meetings. I need to talk to my sponsor. And going to therapy, I think, is just kind of dealing with my mental health on top of the recovery. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that I value. And I've been going to therapy um, since I was 12 years old, and I got sober when I was 20. So, um, and I've... Anytime yeah. it comes up in meetings, because there's a place in the book it talks about going to doctors and people always say, well, I went to a therapist, but I was never honest. Were you, have you been honest with the therapist the whole time? No. Um, <laughs> Ooh, Don's going for the hard question. No, I, you know, until I got into sobriety and realized that honesty is like a key component to yeah. being successful um, in sobriety, I, I was not honest with my therapist. And I, I had been seeing the same therapist, I think, two years before I joined Alcoholics Anonymous and I still see her now. So she kind of sees the, she's seen the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. She's seen it all and she can call me out Mm -hmm. when she sees certain things that I'm doing that remind her of before I joined Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, you know, one of the things that I love about this kind of discussion too, is that Alcoholics Anonymous kind of levels the playing field for us. It gets alcohol out of the way so that at least I'm on the same level as people who are not alcoholics. Sort of. <laughs> well, We I have mean, heightened. I, I get a lot more, quite frankly, because of what I've done in here. Um, there's a lot yeah. of people out there that are not alcoholics that could really use a program. But the thing is, it doesn't fix everything. Mm-hmm. But while alcohol was a part of my life, no amount of therapy was going to do me any good. I did some therapy before Alcoholics Anonymous too, before sobriety. And no, I wasn't honest. Well, and and also, if you're if you're drinking and using, you're you're running away from everything, running away from all your feelings. And you know, you get sober, you'll feel better. You will feel better. Because you feel everything once you get sober. Yeah. Um, I like to make stuff. So I used to bring in the stuff I would make into therapy. And I would never talk about how I was feeling. I would just show her the things that I made. And that's all I did in therapy was like show and tell kind of thing. So it was like a diorama of a a Dexter scene with like murder and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I... I remember I I started going to school at Appalachian State um, when I was still drinking, and I didn't want to get a new therapist, so we started doing um, like Skype sessions. And I remember I think the last therapy session I had with her when I was in Boone was I was sitting in the in on the lawn at school, and um, I was just crying and. This was like two weeks before I came into sobriety the first time. And um, and when was that? Uh, September of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had a short stint in recovery. Um, wasn't I didn't want to do everything that was suggested to me. And so I think as mm. a result, 
I, you know, I didn't want to do my fourth step. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's not fun. I can kind of float by with doing the bare minimum. And I ended up relapsing. Um, Shocker. <laughs> it just it just happened. Um, and, you know, my parents are both in recovery and they have been my entire life. I was. Wow. So yeah. you knew all about alcoholics. Yes. What an alcoholic is. Yes. Um, did you believe that you were an alcoholic? No. Um, <laughs> I, it's incredible. I, yeah, I I had this So idea. how did that work? <laughs> I, I would drink and I would drink. I was, you know, I was a binge drinker. I would black out every time I drank. But, um, you know, I, my, I just didn't want to be like my parents. And so I set out to be different than them. And I'm like, I'll show you guys I can drink and I can drink normally (laughs) but i would end up always drinking like a fifth of liquor in one night you know it's just wow you you might be an alcoholic (laughs) yeah wow yeah it it was it i didn't drink for a long time but it was it became very bad very quickly interesting you know it's another thing too that um your experience on this is another one of those things that, that completely supports that thing of, of knowledge. Self-knowledge availed us nothing. Yeah. You know, you weren't even operating with self-knowledge at that point, <laughs> but but you knew this program. You grew up yeah. in a household that was recovery, yeah. and it, dil- it still didn't save you from being an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, mean, knowledge doesn't do this. My dad had been 12-stepping me since I was 12 years old. And I don't think you can really get recovery if you're not willing. And oh, yeah. for the longest time, I was not willing. And it, it took drinking heavily and then relapsing to realize that I, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to stay sober. So what was the change? What, what was the change inside of yourself that went everything that I've learned about alcoholism and that I denied, I now, it's, it's all true. It's me. Uh, you know, I, I started the first time I came into AA, I started talking to my parents about their stories and how mine lined up in a lot of ways. And I met a lot of different people who did the same things I did. And so I, I wasn't willing to admit I was an alcoholic at that time, but I kind of knew I was. I just didn't want to, you know, say I'm an alcoholic and actually real. believe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it took what it took to get me where I, I mean, I was miserable. I remember. Um, what was your last drunk where you hit that? What? Tell us about it. Oh, yeah. The, my last drunk was kind oh, of. Oh, you should. See, y'all, I wish y'all could see her <laughs> face yeah. right now. I'm she excited. It lit up. <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> so um, it was a one night thing. Um, but it was it was very interesting. Um, my parents, you know, sober. Household does not have any alcohol. So I was, I was really upset about one of my fears on my fourth step that I wasn't going to do. So um, I went to the bathroom because, you know, mouthwash sometimes has alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. I thought it always did, actually, at this point. My parents buy it without the alcohol <laughs> because, you know. Yeah. And um, 
They're, I, they're strict about not <laughs> drinking for some reason. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, I was kind of hoping there was alcohol in the mouthwash. That probably would have been the easier, softer route. Um, <laughs> oh, when mouthwash is the easier, softer. Yeah, really. Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> but um, I was looking around, and um, I was struggling with acne, and so I had some facial toner. Um, and the facial toner smells like rubbing alcohol. You know, it's, it's not a good drink to have. Um, I, the bottle, I mean, big bottle of facial toner, full, full, all the way full. And for a moment. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so I, I, I put it in my pants. I walked out to the driveway and I drank the entire bottle. Oh my God. Just completely. I, Oh my I don't gosh. know how I did it. It was terrible. Well, alcoholics are really determined people. <laughs> <laughs> did it work? Um, it Well, this is also funny because I came back in <laughs> and I laid on the floor and told my mom what I did. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, Madeline, I love you, but fuck you. And, and she called poison control. And um, I called my sponsor and said, yeah, so I relapsed. And... Um, we were talking, and after about an hour of it having been in my system, I started like laughing hysterically. It didn't get me completely drunk until about an hour later. And so I just went to bed and woke up the next day and went to an AA meeting. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it did get you drunk. It did. But it took a while. It wasn't the immediate effect that I would oh, have. Oh, wow. So did you like, not have so, any money that you could have gone and bought? So, you know, some, <laughs> no. Well, she was underage. I, wiser or, I please tell me you had a fake ID. did not have money. I did not have a fake ID. I always had friends who bought these things for uh, me. Of course, And yeah. I, I knew that if I were to leave the house, my mom would, I mean, I was upset and she would not have left let me leave the house. So I, you know, had to make do with what we had. Hey, we're resourceful. <laughs> and what I'm, you know, what I'm totally hearing from this, and this is after, you know, the little Ambien thing that I was talking about, the, the next thing they were going to tell me to take was controlled release Ambien. So I would like stay through the night. What I just heard is that if you want to get drunk, but you want controlled release, yes. drink toner. Yeah. First ingredient is alcohol. I but mean, it takes a while. But it, it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> If I, I had known <laughs> it was going to take that long, I probably would not. I've selected well, a different drink. <laughs> okay, so you said that you were so you were in AA, and you evidently were working the steps. You had a sponsor. Yeah. Um, you had so you had already come in. You'd started working the steps. You had a fourth step. You knew about that, and you were scared of the fourth step. You said a fear, your fears. You didn't want to yeah. deal with. What's that about? um, I just, I had a lot of um, fears that I didn't want to get into with anyone. Mm. And there were, there were things that I really felt like I could not tell anyone. Well, you know, the fourth step is scary for, for everyone. Yeah. And a lot of people come into AA (laughs) and they get to the fourth step. And they decide, nope, I'm yep. not doing I'm this, and they're out. So or they not- delay and delay and delay, and they wind up drinking again. Yeah. Because this is part of the solution. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I did. I just didn't want to do it. So what can you say to those people facing that? Um, there's really not anything that I was I told my sponsor that really shocked her. I mean, it just yes. it kind of 
nothing I said was outrageous. It just, you know, there's... That's where your fear was, was yeah. that you were going to be judged. Yeah. Our stuff is a big deal only to us. Yeah. Only <laughs> like, nobody, to it us. Just didn't, it didn't phase her. She just sat there. And, and then <laughs> we burned it. And it was great. And I did it. But and I, I also think another factor that went into my relapse wasn't just the fourth step, but I also really didn't believe I was an alcoholic. I remember telling my sponsor almost every day, like, I think that I can control this. And she was like, well, why don't you just go out and drink? Try that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, so I did. And, and that's what it tells us to do that in the book. Yeah. If we're not convinced, go out and try some control to your yeah. nearest barroom. <laughs> or, or bathroom. <laughs> or bathroom. <laughs> and try some controlled drinking. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I love that you shared your experience about um, that fear of that fourth step and fifth step yeah. being something that drove you to drink. Um, and that your experience in doing it was like, wow, that was really not a lot. It was my, I, it was totally my fear. My stuff was big to me and only to me. My sponsor did not run out of the room with eyes right. bleeding and ears bleeding and yeah. rending of hair and flesh. Um, it was just like, yeah. And what's next? <laughs> yeah. And or, or didn't say you should be ashamed of yourself. Exactly, exactly. And I think it is such a, a, a huge disservice that I hear in the rooms, um, in, in meetings and also in before and after meetings, when people are like, oh, that fourth step, that's, the, that's so tough. You, oh, you're on your fifth. Oh, you're going to. And it's like, don't make these things sound like some big deal. Yeah. They're a big deal in that this is part of the solution. This is part of the way to getting healthy and, and, and arresting our alcoholism. But it's not a scary thing. Well, yet I understand that it feels scary. But the thing to remember is it's the path to freedom from all of that. It is. And those of us who have worked it need to make sure that that path is attractive rather mm-hmm. than making it sound worse than it is. Yeah, it is a tough thing to do. There is no doubt that writing my first fourth and, uh, step and doing my first fifth step was scary for me. Again, because I was concerned about my stuff mm-hmm. and what I was going to tell my sponsor. She didn't care. I mean, she cared, but it she didn't care. And then ultimately, if yeah. you've been sober a long time, this idea of writing out what what's going on with you, making a doing an inventory... I'll write down and look at my, look at myself something that's going on and go, oh wow, I'm wrong here, and I'm I'm just willing to look at things from the experience of doing the fourth and fifth step. You know, another thing about the fourth and fifth step is that the someone recently said, I did a fourth step, but. I don't really know if it really was because I really didn't know what I was doing when I did it. And so when I was talking with my sponsor, he kind of explained it all. And I'm going, that's exactly the way it works. That's why you do it with a sponsor. And the sponsor sponsor helped me see things in myself that I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. I remember he told me after I had done it, oh, it, was, it was a few months later, was, I was going, how was I doing? How did I do doing the uh, fifth step? And he said, well... You weren't too defensive. And I went, what? <laughs> what? 
defensive, but I, I was. Maybe I was. Maybe I was. Well, you're a bit of a victim, so yeah. they, they tend yeah, to be defensive. It's a, it's a I mean. Character defect. That that was my thing. I was the victim of everything I had on my four step. Mm. I, I didn't want to, wow. you know, I didn't want to put my part. Uh huh. You know, but my sponsor, you have a part. You know, you got to put the part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you need the sponsor to direct you towards yeah. that because we are just trained <laughs> to deflect. Yeah. 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 And I'm glad I did it. And then there are things that I thought I would never talk to with my sponsor that I can laugh about now, yes. you know, because I've been working a program and because I've done multiple four steps or fifth steps. And yeah, it's been wonderful. It's really amazing. I, I, I still love this thing that our greatest liabilities become our greatest assets. Mm-hmm. I just recently. Um, gosh, this was like, I think this was the Saturday after my mother died. So, I mean, I was going to meetings like right after this stuff too, and was out in the parking lot talking with a guy who had shared in the meeting about his fear uh, about something and about the fourth step, fourth and fifth step. And it was just the two of us. And there were things that for me were so bad that um, they were on my first four step that I actually took an exacto knife and I wrote them down, but then I cut them out of the paper and I hid those things. Um, I don't share those things in meetings. I don't, I'm not going to share those things on the, on the podcast, but over the years I've had, he's the third person that I've shared one of those things with because it helped him lose his fear of what was in front of him by me sharing I put this on mine. I did this. And my sponsor was fine. I was fine. And it doesn't hold any weight over me anymore. That's kind of like that uh, story of the guy falls in a hole. Priest walks by and says, I'll tell you how to get out. And goes, somebody else walks by and says, I'll tell you how to get out. You do this and this and this. And the alcoholic walks by and jumps in the hole with him and goes, let me show you how to get out. It's the, because it's by having the experience. I, you know, I've been through this. There's nothing like doing a, listening to a fifth step and seeing someone in a great deal of pain about and shame over something that they've done and they share it. And if it's something that I can say, I did that, I did that too. And you no longer have to live that way. Yeah. And this is the way out of it. It's, and then it's so rewarding, you know, both to, to me and to the other person. Yeah. We get to share uh, what we've been. It makes us who we are. The thing will not regret the past nor wish, wish to shut the door on it. Mm-hmm. Seems crazy to a lot of people. And there are things in my past that I would definitely not want to repeat, but I don't want to shut the door on it because that has made me who I am. And it's the th- and it's those things, the worst things are the things that are really a, a gift to be able to share with someone else to help them so that yeah. they can see a way out. Yeah. Yeah. Your, uh, your home group is uh, Piedmont. Yes. Now, Piedmont has two meetings, right? Yes. Piedmont Beginners also. Yeah. Piedmont Beginners is that. On Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. Do you go to that one? I do. I go to both of them. I love it. So yeah. with your with you being fairly young, okay, very young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do uh, do you get an opportunity to help some uh, some people who are new 
uh, yeah, be comfortable. Yeah. I, um, my priorities at the end of a meeting, if, if I don't see any, a woman that I don't know, um, I'm going to help clean up the meeting, you know, but if there's a woman that I don't know, I normally like to stand near them during the Lord's prayer and then walk up to them (laughs) right after so that it's like, and I can talk to them. Yeah. Um, ask them like, do you have a sponsor? I just, I was a temporary sponsor for a woman, um, who she has about 90 days. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's really cool. That was, um, the longest one I've had so far. (laughs) Okay. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really like being able to help the newcomer, um, and say like, you're not alone in this. Like we're all in this together. Um, we've all been through some really hard stuff and myself included. Yeah. And you're also, I know I've seen you at the GSR at the district meetings. You're, yeah. You're G- a GSR. I'm an alt GSR for my home group. What's uh-huh. a GSR? General service. General service representative. representative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I don't know much about it. It's something I would like to know more about. Well, you're um, doing the right thing yeah. by coming to the meeting. Yeah. Cause a lot of times the alternates don't go. That's true. Sometimes the GSR doesn't go. It's oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> truly. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. It is good to go. Yeah, so that's the way you see how it operates. And I would be totally remiss, and I already know that you know about this because I've run into you as I was leaving this meeting many yeah. times. But there is a general service study meeting every Wednesday here in Greensboro at 6:15 p.m. called mm-hmm. Service Nerds yes. that can help you get up to speed on what a GSR is and, and the, the stuff that, uh, that's not that is really meeting. helpful. What does what that meeting, that meeting studies what? The general service, excuse me, it's the super secret general service manual. <laughs> super <laughs> secret general service Nobody manual. knows anything about it. Nobody even knows it exists. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't really know much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my home group was able to send me to the area. Assembly? Yeah. yeah. And that was really cool. Mm-hmm. It was a different experience. Um, half the time, I didn't know what was going on. I just, you know, yeah. kind of watched what was happening. Well, it's, it was your introductory <laughs> yeah. experience. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, that would have been uh, what the, oh, that was the, ele- was that an election assembly? <sighs> no, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, that's coming up this November. Okay. Um, so, but you went to the fall assembly. Yeah. Um, very cool. I'm yeah. glad you did that. And I'm glad your face kind of lit up when you talked about yeah, it. Because <laughs> Don's face just like turns into this sour. <laughs> oh, I go, I go, I'm the GSR for my group and I go religiously. And I know how you feel about religion. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. Use of the word. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline, how can you think of a way that you use uh, any of the steps in your life, like in the last week, an example or two? Oh, I use the third step a lot. Third step being? Yeah. <laughs> made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Because believe it or not, I try to take back my will time really like yeah it's you are the only one um i i've been doing that a lot um there are some uh, how does that work i mean exactly how do you do the third step um i i like to use the third step prayer to really connect with my higher power 
in times where I feel like I've taken my will back, which has happened a lot here recently. Um, I've been kind of trying to figure out, like, not everyone in AA is someone I want to be spend time with. Um, and so I've had to kind of focus on who I really do want to spend my time with in the recovery community. And so I've had to pray about it and meditation. I think I could also implement the 11th step there because I want to be in charge and in control of everything. <laughs> yep. Oh, there, there, she, there's she's always, a full-fledged alcoholic. There's always a little more letting go to do. Yeah. John's always letting go just as hard as he can. I'm letting go just as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> because it's hard. Yeah, it is. It's hard to let go. It's hard to, to, not, to accept that I don't have control of other people and the world. Right. It's true. But I think it's a, a really important thing for us to remember, um, and that is practice these principles in all our affairs. Now, that can mean put to use in all of my affairs, or it could be I'm practicing, yeah, I'm learning, I'm trying to do this, and I choose to look at it with the latter that I'm going to fail. I'm, it, I, I'm, I wax and wane on, on how well I do the things that I've learned in these rooms. Right. But I keep on trying and I keep on practicing. And, and you know, sometimes it's something like lack of sleep means I'm going to flip off that asshole who just cut me off in traffic. Or I'm just going to flip off that asshole who just cut me off in traffic rather than not I've had lack of sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I get um, that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, 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 so practice is important. And so practicing that third step. Yeah. I'm not going to be perfect at doing it. I'm ne- I, I, each, each time I do it, it's perfect for that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, willingness is something that I have always struggled with. I think that's pretty common, you know, mm-hmm. alcoholics. You know, I, I sometimes just pray to be willing to do things yeah. that I don't necessarily feel willing to do. Yeah. Yep. I've done that. <laughs> Pray for the willingness to be willing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a huge change for an alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, for you, I think maybe it was the men's meeting that we we had someone talking about how I, you know, I used to have to do, there used to be things that needed to be done and I didn't want to do them, so I didn't do them. And right. that was it. Right. I just didn't right. do what I needed to do. Um, today, there are things that show up in my life that I need to do that I don't want to do. Yeah. And sometimes I procrastinate. Well, you were talk you were talking about that with uh, showing up for your mother, and in a situation, you know, I've been in that situation. And I just didn't want to do. It's painful, yeah. and I, you know, I don't want to be around it. And still, we and still show up and to do show it. up. Yeah, and today I've got a choice. Yeah, and there were deaths in my family, like my grandmother, where I didn't show up. Mm-hmm. I showed up one time, and I was like, going, nope. I'm getting drunk, and I stayed drunk through the end of her life. Mm-hmm. I didn't show up. I don't have to do that now. Yeah. It's amazing the choice that we get by alcohol being removed from the equation. Now, there's a whole lot more to this that you couldn't have convinced me I was going to get when I came in here and miserable because I couldn't stop drinking. Yeah. Well, Matt, what can you say to a young person or an old person. <laughs> I'm like a young person because, you know, I didn't quit drinking until I was 45, maybe. It's 
That was it what, was always about forty years ago. <laughs> it was always I had to really get beaten. Yeah. Beaten down. I had to really prove to myself that I couldn't drink, that I couldn't control my drinking because I was determined not to be an alcoholic because I knew if I was an alcoholic, I was going to have to quit drinking. Right. I, you know, and so this is not a problem. I do not have a problem. And I lived that way on and on and on and on. So how does someone give up at, at an early age? I mean, what is it? What, what does it take to give up? Um, well, I, towards the end, I just wanted to die every day. I was not happy. Um, I, I was, I had the shakes every morning and, you know, my bottom, I consider it pretty low, um, emotionally and how I felt. I the, never drank face <laughs> facial toner. Yeah, facial it's, toner. it's not a casual drinking. That's it's, that's a professional it's, level. It's, yeah, it is. Level. I you know, I didn't have to have all of these consequences to realize that my life was unmanageable and that I was powerless over alcohol. Um, I really just things were not good. Um, my life was pretty shitty. So mm. I think it's if you're young and you're thinking about recovery, like you, you don't have to have all of these yets, you know, like you don't have to have had a DUI or you can come in. And I guess like some people say it's like a high bottom, but to me, my bottom was low. I felt miserable. I felt like if, if I didn't come into sobriety, it was either I get sober or I drink myself to death. That's, that was kind of the point I was at. And um, if you have the willingness to do something different, then you're you're ready for it. You're ready for sobriety. Yeah, that the business of comparing bottoms really doesn't serve any of us. No, it it really is that emotional bottom. My problems are my problems, and yeah. they are just as important to me as your problems are to you. Right. I feel them just as badly, um, regardless if my problems are higher or low. Yeah, but you know that's. I thought I wasn't an alcoholic. That's what I had to accept was that my behavior was alcoholic, even though I still had a job, even though I I didn't have a DUI. Yeah. But you emotionally, you hit a bottom. Yeah, I was emotionally at the bottom. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, so Young People is my home group. So I'm around a lot of people who are your age. Yeah. Um, and and one of the things that I've heard shared that, that really struck me the first time I heard it is that a lot of young people don't have in in life, they even have, haven't even had the chance to get the things that older people like me had threatened to lose. Right. You know, I was going to lose my job of many years. I was going to lose my house, my car, my husband. There's a lot of people who are young. There's a squirrel in the window. Hi, squirrel. Um, <laughs> squirrel. Um, <laughs> get it out. Um, and so, you know, I had these things threatened. Yeah. That I was going to lose them. Um, there's a lot of young people who don't even have these things yet. Right. But they also don't have to to go through the risk of losing them. If, if, if you're hitting that place where life sucks and alcohol is not working, it's making shit worse. Because obviously, honestly, it worked for a while. Yeah, that's the realization when you can realize that 
drinking is not working. Yeah. That's because if that happens, you're an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can. <laughs> yeah. And, I'll, you know, although I pretended like I wasn't at that point, you know, it's the, it's the, the saying, like, if you think you might be an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. Because people who aren't alcoholics never reach the point where they think, I wonder if I'm an alcoholic. I wonder. <laughs> they're yeah. Because they're just not going to drink if it's a problem. Right. They're just not going to do it because it's a problem. That's not true for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, for me, I just had to pay attention to what my emotional bottom was and to identify rather than compare in meetings, yes. you know? You know, if I if I was to compare myself to everyone, I would feel like, oh, maybe I'm not an alcoholic, and maybe I can, maybe it was just a college phase that I was drinking mm-hmm. so heavily. Mm-hmm. But it I mean, it can really let us fool ourselves. Yeah, it, those are the kind of thoughts that go through my head because I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> well, I'm kind of glad you're an alcoholic because yeah. I probably wouldn't know you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that you're here, but don't go anywhere. As a matter of fact, though, you might want to duck. <laughs> the owl has spared her. <laughs> it's time for our old timers question. Who you calling an old timer? You! That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. Well, no matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at the time. Don't, Shh. don't, 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 zip, 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 zip. You can post a question for us on boiledowlaa.org. We hope you will. We got a question from Elmo in Greenville, South Carolina. All right. Elmo says... Am I going to have to give up all the things in life that are fun and enjoyable to stay sober? <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a that. short answer. Yes. <laughs> Your life that. is nothing but misery now. <laughs> <laughs> what say you old far I mean uh, old timer? <laughs> Boy, I thought that I was going to that it, was, it meant getting sober meant one long gray day from here on out. For the rest of time, but I'm a victim. So <laughs> I'll do it because I can't drink. So I guess I'll go to AA and I'll never have fun again. I'll give up my creativity. I'll never have, I'll never be creative again because I'm a painter, an artist. It's going to be the end of that. I gave alcohol everything. I mean, I, th- I thought alcohol was the source of joy was the source of my creativity. I thought it was it, it was it was everything to me. And I didn't think I could go to sleep at night without alcohol. How could I go to a movie and sit through a whole movie? I mean, it's <laughs> like if I wasn't carrying, so, you know, it wasn't true. But it felt like that to me before I came to AA. And it does get worse before it gets better. Because I got to go through, really, I got to go through withdrawals. But something happened to me about week two. of I, I came into AA and just started going to meetings. I didn't go to a treatment center. Was that true for you, Madeline? Did you go to? Yeah, I, I just started going to AA meetings. Yeah, that, yeah that's, me I got that sense that that was the case. My experience was similar. And at about week two, I started feeling so much better the shaking stopped. I started, you know, I thought I was a high bottom 
And I started shaking so bad that I couldn't hold a cup of coffee. And I shared this on an episode not too long ago, but a guy got up and said, you want some coffee? And he came back with half a cup of coffee. And I was so grateful to that guy because I was like worried, how am I going to lift that thing up? You've been wearing it. And it, <laughs> And that was good because I was thinking, you know, I wasn't that bad. I didn't, wasn't that bad of an alcoholic. Right. Uh, shaking like crazy. You know, maybe maybe I really am an alcoholic. So it was that was good for me. But at any rate, after that settled down, it's about two weeks, I just started. It was like this feeling of impending doom lifted off of me. And I was talking with someone about it. He said, you know, that's... Alcohol is a depressant, and it's in your system, and it takes weeks for it to get out. And what you may be feeling is just the alcohol leaving your system. I was like, "What?" But it, the one, the thing, one thing that I thought was holding me together, drinking, was killing me, and I thought it was helping me get out of this feeling of doom, and it was causing it. Mm-hmm. It, that was a factor in it. So then, as I don't know, six months or so, I caught myself singing in the shower for the first time in two years. I hadn't done that in years. This what that's that's just spontaneous joy, you know, where you just go, oh, I'm just you start singing some song. <laughs> it's just I'm happy to be alive. What's this? You know, it was coming back. It's not true that there won't be joy and happiness. It's that is. The disease talking, saying, saying, you know, it's rattling its cage. It's it's like saying, <laughs> no, 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 no. You'll never have fun again without me, pal. <laughs> really? <laughs> and it's it's a lie. Yeah. What about you, Madeline? What's your experience? When I had about a year of sobriety, if I started to have this feeling. And I didn't know what it was, and it was, it was, um, and what I can call it now is joy, but I had never experienced that before. And, you know, while I was drinking, it was, it looked fun because I was drinking heavily and uh, probably not to other people, but I thought it was fun. Mm -hmm. And, but I was miserable, you know, as a chronically depressed person, I, I really liked downers and I don't know. I just never really put two and two together thinking that these things are making my depression worse. And so my depression started getting better after about a year in sobriety. And I started to actually feel joy. And, you know, I have people in my life today that share this common factor. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes go to New York um, to visit family And you go there and you go to meetings and there are people, there's a room full of people just like you and like you can travel anywhere. Strangers. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I actually, I have a friend, um, who lives in New York and we talk on the phone every day. Um, and it's because of Alcoholics Anonymous and I have people that I'm close to and that I don't use for things. Like I, Mm. the only friends I had when I was drinking were people who would buy me alcohol, buy me drugs. You know, that that was the extent of my friendships. Yeah. It was just, I just take and take and take. And now it's like I have these people in my life who I can tell things and we're connected. 
I think that is the joy I had never had. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, um, first of all, alcohol seemed to fix everything. You know, alcohol made life tolerable. Um, but then throw on top of that, because, you know, we drank because uh, uh, I love in the big book, it's all these reasons that we drank and there's negative reasons and positive reasons. We drank, we drank, we drank, we drank. And that was me. You know, I drank because things sucked, but also anything that was fun was absolutely going to be better if I was drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, alcohol was going to make things awesome too. Mm-hmm. And it did for a while. And I really did kind of like feel like, well, I love how a friend puts it that uh, getting sober is kind of like the consolation prize in life. I didn't win the grand prize. I just got the consolation prize. Bullshit. (laughs) I got the grand prize. First of all, I would put forward right now, I think we have laughed a lot just in sitting here recording this. Yeah. Um, This is not an unusual, you know, sitting and recording a podcast is kind of unusual, but the laughter, the conversations, absolutely not an unusual part of my experience throughout the days and weeks. I have an incredible amount of fun, but the, the cool thing is, and, and I, I, I can't pull this phrase out of my head, but, it, but there's something uh, to the effect in our literature somewhere that, that we demand more than our fair share. Mm-hmm. And that absolutely applies to, you know, my life has to be exciting all the time. When I was an alcoholic who was drinking, and in early recovery, um, it's like, well, if my life's not exciting all the time, then it sucks. And that's not true. What I've done is I've gotten right-sized in my experience and expectations, if you will, of what life is supposed to be. So it doesn't need to be an amusement ride all the time. <laughs> um, it, I can just thoroughly enjoy sitting down, having a cup of coffee with somebody yeah. and be absolutely content with that and contentment is nothing that i ever even considered seeking as a drinking alcoholic contentment to be content yeah (laughs) are you kidding me no and today i you know i have times when i travel and i love going to recovery events those are my vacations often um there are people that i only see at those things um and then i go to meetings and I sit down and I have coffee and I, you know, and I get to be away from recovery stuff. I get to help my clients. I get to go for walks and actually enjoy going for a walk. What alcoholic's going to do that? First of all, we're going to stumble and fall down, skin our knees. Second, why would I do that? Except in like the middle of the night, which is when I would do it. <laughs> looking for somebody who still had the lights on at their house. Cause if you're up that late, you yeah, obviously are yeah. partying and you want me to join you. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to have a lot of fun in recovery. Uh, I, I'm, I feel like I'm right sized on those expectations of what, what joy should be. Thank yes. you. It's Thanks been for a being real here. pleasure. Yeah, this was fun. Great. One more time, though. The owl is loose. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl Podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. 
Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of Alcoholics Anonymous and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. So, I think we're just about ready to begin. Are we really ready to begin? There's a fly in here, Don. That is not okay. That's got the big one. Don't owls eat flies too? Let's hope so. Good <laughs> lord, that owl would feast on that thing. That's a I mean, that fly is the size of an owl.